Welcome to the CLC podcast. CLC is a Columbus Leadership Campus at Point University located at North Highland Church. CLC exists to equip young leaders and help them unlock their God-given potential through practical ministry training and biblical education. For more information about our school, you can visit our website at clcgeorgia.com. Um, oh man, hey, good morning guys. What's up? Um, before I even get started, I just want to shout out all the all you guys who did fine arts this weekend and um, helped out coach students, even if you just went and supported students or anything. Can y'all just give yourselves a round of applause? I am very, very impressed with you guys. Great job. Yeah. My my little brother is actually texting me. He, like, literally right now <laughs> just texted me. Uh, and the, I'm going to brag on him for a second, and it'll preface my message. But um, my little brother is just awesome right now. Like, if you, if you know me... I love my other siblings, and Daniel has always been the sibling that, like, has kind of been just the youngest, and people don't even sometimes know that I have a little brother. Um, But, man, I am really proud of that kid. He just, he won a lot of stuff this weekend. He's probably the best of us at fine arts. And he just texted me and said that he also was selected for the senior project fair. So he's winning in school, too. But I think why I'm most proud of him, and this is what's going to lead into my message, is, um, man, from his freshman year of high school until now, I have just seen a complete turnaround. And we, of all of us siblings, we've all, like, talked about him and is like, he's kind of, I mean, you know him. He's kind of spacey. He's a space cadet. And so, like, we've all kind of been like, does he understand the Bible? And, like... Does he, does he know what we're doing? <laughs> uh, and this year, man, I've seen him grow so much, like praying with his friends, doing Bible studies with his friends. And I truly believe that because he has gotten his spiritual life into alignment, this is just like what Betty was talking about the other day, because he has gotten his spiritual life into alignment, he is starting to flourish in every area of his life. And this morning... Uh, this message, actually, I, I was a little, Justin and Cassie were nervous. They asked me like 15 times if I was going to be able to speak this morning because it's the weekend after, or the day after fine arts, and uh, usually I'm like dying afterwards. Um, but I said yes, and it's because this message has been brewing like literally since October. Um, I felt, I was doing a Bible study with Jonah Mills at the time, um, and it was something that we just we started to do and we came to this sentence um that we had kind of come up with in our bible study and i felt the lord just speak to me and say like when when you do chapel towards the end of the year like that is what you have to speak on uh and the title of the message today is be your own judge be your own judge and we're going to be reading out of the book of judges in just a couple minutes um and i'm not talking about judge in the sense of like people are judging me I'm judging you, that kind of judge. I'm talking about the biblical judges. Um, And so if you don't know the book of Judges, uh, it goes Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. Okay, it's right there. It's before uh, the Israelites had kings in their lives. They had judges, okay? 
And judges were people, they were temporary and special deliverers sent by God to deliver the Israelites from oppressors. And so their first job as judges was to help deliver the people. They were leaders in war. Uh, and then they administered justice to people. And basically they became like not just spiritual leaders, but they were also um, like political leaders and stuff like that in, in the lives of the Israelites. And so the reason that these judges were put into place is because for years, 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 after Joshua, do we know Joshua, Battle of Jericho, ruled, awesome, love that guy. Uh, After Joshua, the Israelites went into this cycle of slipping up again and again and again and again. And it was so much so that the Lord would put judges into their lives. And so I'm going to be reading from Judges chapter 2 this morning. Also, I'm kind of sick this morning, so bear with me if I have to, like, move my mic and sniffle, which I do right now. Okay. That's so disgusting. Oh, my God, I'm sorry. That's going to happen a bunch because as I'm talking, my nose just starts to run because I'm not focused on keeping it up, and so I'm sorry. I don't see any. It's just kind of gross. Well, then I have to blow my nose up here. That's disgusting. Please edit this out of the podcast. (laughs) I'm sorry. <clears throat> okay, here we go. Judges chapter 2. So the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land I swore to give to your ancestors. I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall not make a covenant with the people of this land, but you shall break down their altars. Yet you have disobeyed me. Why have you done this? And I have also said, I will not drive them out before you. They will become traps for you, and their gods will become snares to you. When the angel of the Lord had spoken these things to all the Israelites, the people wept aloud, and they called to the place Bochim. There they offered sacrifices to the Lord. And then this next, oh my God, I just had a line of snot come out of my nose. Somebody get me some tissue. That was really gross. I'm so sorry. Oh man, that was really gross. Oh, that was really gross. I don't see any. This is really gross. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be sick this morning. Okay, yeah. Well, this is a new shirt. No. Okay, I won't. <laughs> oh, man. <coughs> okay, here we go. We'll jump back in. This next section is called Disobedience and Defeat. Oh, thank you, Cass. All right, y'all ready? Don't judge me. Do I have any in my mustache? I feel like I might. Okay. Verse 6. Here we go. After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each their own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Did you hear that? The Israelites served the Lord up until their leader died. Verse 8. No. Verse 11. Sorry. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. 
They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Asherahs. I can't say that. In his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hand of raiders, shaw raiders, who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around, whom they were no longer able to resist. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them, just as he had sworn to them. They were in great distress. And they all felt great distress lately in your life. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but prostituted themselves to other gods and worshipped them. They quickly turned from their ways of their ancestors who had been obedient to the Lord's command. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge and saved them out of the hand of their enemies as long as the judge lived. For the Lord relented because of their groaning under those who oppressed and afflicted them. But when the judge died, the people were turned to ways even more corrupt than those of their ancestors, following other gods and serving and worshiping them. They refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel and said, because this nation has violated the covenant I ordained for their ancestors and has not listened to me, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations Joshua left when he dried. He died, not dried. I will use them to test Israel and see whether they will keep the way of the Lord and walk in it as our ancestors did. The Lord had allowed those nations to remain. He did not drive them out at once by giving them into the hands of Joshua. And then it continues into chapter 3, just these couple of verses. These are the nations the Lord left to test all those Israelites who had not experienced any of the wars in Canaan. He did this only to teach warfare to the descendants of the Israelites who had not had previous battle experience. This morning, the message is be your own judge. Father God, I thank you so much for this moment right now and for the opportunity to speak into the lives of these students. God, I just ask that today you would illuminate um, your truths in these words, and Lord, that you would speak to our hearts as we become our own judge. In Jesus' name, amen. So we get into this cycle with the Israelites where they're going up and down and riding off of spiritual highs. They're riding these waves of, I'm doing really good, I'm doing really good, and it's all while leadership is in place. But then as soon as that leadership dies, they take a turn for the worse, each and every time. And I think about our own personal lives as students, and maybe this school year has been awesome for you, but summer's coming. You got a little taste of it with spring break. I always used to hate spring break, and I would be like, spring break is so stupid because I just want summer. You got a little taste of summer during spring break, and now summer's coming. And I truly believe that the Lord said, I, I want you to have this word and speak it at this time because you need to prepare for when you don't have leadership in your life each and every day, making you come to chapel and come to prayer and come to devotion. And I think now is the time to start preparing for battle. And so my question, I've got two different parts right now. Why did the Israelites continuously fall into the hands of their enemies? And there's three different points under this little section. Number one, they forgot their identity. 
They continuously forgot. He said, God, let them be in the midst of people who were not Israelites. He did not drive out the nations. He let them live amongst others. And they had a judge who was there to lead them, but they were living in a world much like ours today. We're Christians. We're not off-sectored into our own little space. We live amongst lots of people who are not holding the same beliefs as us. And what happens is they forget who they are in Christ. They forget their identity. And so it causes them to stumble. The second thing, they forgot God's promise to them and to their ancestors. If you heard me say it a couple of times, I didn't use the word promise. I used the word covenant. God made covenants with them. And it says in the beginning of that chapter 2, he said, I will never break my covenant with you. And you should not make a covenant with other people but break down their altars. And because they forgot the covenant that God made with them, they forgot and they started making covenants with others around them. That's why God allowed them to fall. And number three, they forgot all that God had done for them in the past. They forgot where their victory came from. See, if we start to believe that any of this at all, any of this, any of your own success, any of your own grades, any of your own um, education, any of your own leadership and ability comes from you, that is when we start to fall. When we forget and we allow ourselves to think that we can do it on our own. When we forget about the leadership in our past who has helped us get to where we are. When we forget about the friends who have been there along with us when we were down when we forget about even what our parents have given or not given to us that the Lord has allowed to be made for good in this moment. Like, if you take a minute and really put things into perspective, we live pretty good lives, you know. I know we've got our own struggles, and everybody has their own fears and anxieties. My biggest fear, like literally biggest fear, is going bald. I cannot stress to you how bad that scares me. Um, and <laughs> so much so that, does it look like I'm balding? Okay, well, Justin said the other day <laughs> that he saw a bald spot on my head, and I took a drastic measure and signed up for this thing called Hims that has, like, a multivitamin and, like, hair growth stuff, and I am really scared of going bald, Okay. And so I've been uh, taking my hymns vitamins. Wesley, if you see the stuff in the, the bathroom, it says hymns. That's, that's what it is. Um, but if we think about, like, what our own personal fears are, they're probably not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of life. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and so I don't remember where I was going with that because I started talking about my baldness. So I'll just come back to my notes. <laughs> I'll probably remember it in a second. No big deal. <clears throat> but whenever we forget that God is the reason, when we forget who we are in Christ, when we forget God's promises for us, when we forget that God is the reason we have the victory, it tends to lead us down a path where we fall. And that's where I was going with it, sorry. It makes our fears sometimes seem bigger than the problem. Or it makes our problems seem bigger than the, rea than the reality of things, than they really are. And sometimes we allow our fear to grow so big, fear of failing, 
fear of whatever, that sometimes it causes us to fall. And I'm sure that the Israelites in this time had many fears, especially because they've been up and down in battle. But I want you to remember that, that part, um, the last line that I read, where it said that God allowed them to be tested. And I believe God allows us to be tested. Not only, it says it, he did this only to teach warfare to the descendants who had not had previous battle experience. I believe that God is going to test you. And there's a difference between a, a test and a temptation. Temptation is from the enemy. God will not tempt you with sin. That's not a test. But I believe God will test you. And he will put you in moments this summer where you feel tested and you feel dry. And that's why we have to prepare right now and be our own judge. And so the opposite, I gave you those three points. They're all to forget. It's all they forgot, they forgot, forgot. And so what is the opposite of forgetting? Wesley, you can't answer. I asked you this morning. What is the opposite of forgetting? Remembering. There's another word. When you forget something, to know. To remember and to know. The reason I want, I, want to, I want the word know in there is because when you know something, it's definite. When you know something, there's no unshaking feeling about it. You can stand on your knowledge and you can know that something is real or not real. And so the opposite of all these things and how we can be our own judge is when we know. And these are the things that we have to know. Number one, you have to know who you are in Christ, and you have to know what you are called to. It's impossible for us to stay fully nourished if we are consistently relying on somebody else's leftovers. As ministry students, as people in ministry, whether you want to do full-time ministry or not, as Christians, we have to get off of, um, the scripture talks about, uh, like milk and we have to get onto solid food, okay? And when we are doing ministry, it should be out of an overflow of what is happening in our personal relationships with Christ. And so if someone else, if we're constantly listening to someone else's overflow, and that's the only food, that's the only spiritual food that we're grabbing, then all you're getting is leftovers. How many of you like leftovers? Leftover food. You like leftover food? I really like leftover pizza, okay? Like, pizza can sit out cold for about two days, and I will still eat it. I love cold pizza. Huh? I'll be honest, yeah. Like, I really, I really like leftover pizza. It's just, I don't know, yeah. But it's okay. I'm, I'm starting to lean out of carbs now, and so I won't be doing that anytime soon, unfortunately. Uh, unfortunately. But if you think about leftover pizza, y'all wouldn't eat the leftover pizza that's been sitting on the counter for two days. I mean, I would, but you wouldn't. And so why do we do that spiritually? Why do we allow our only food to be somebody else's overflow, what they've already eaten off of? I think that it's great, and we need to hear messages. We need to hear sermons. But as leaders, we have got to get our own solid food. In Romans 6, chapter 6, 
It says, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. And in John 15, 16, it says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you. In order to know who we are in Christ, we know who we are in Christ and we would know what we're called to. We should see fruit. We know that we don't have to be bound to things of the past anymore. And it's not just about being saved and not sinning. That's why I gave you those two verses. It's not just about not sinning. It's also about bearing fruit. And so I've talked a lot to my interns um, in challenging you guys, and I want to challenge everyone in here. In order to be a leader, you have to have someone following. And so you have to find those people in your life who are following you. And if you can't find those people, then you're not leading anyone. And if you don't have those people, now is the time. You are in the perfect breeding ground to find others around you that you can lead, that you can take up under your wing. And it doesn't have to be this big thing where like, okay, let's all do a Bible study together. It can start really small. Sometimes just a simple text. Hey, I just want to let you know I'm praying for you. Hey, I saw how you did in fine arts. Great job. I'm really proud of you. The way that you become a leader in someone's life is to get some currency. You have to slowly allow yourself, allow that person to trust you. And so I just want to challenge all of you. If you currently, and we had this talk amongst my small interns, my small group, um, where I talked with Jules and Miley about who they were leading and at one point, they were both like, you know, I, I don't know who I'm leading. And so I, I want you to know, like, it's not just, if you feel that way, you're not alone in that. I've felt like that many times. Um, when I stepped out of real life and transitioned into my role church-wide, I went through a season where I really struggled with, who am I leading right now? Because my job was so different. And it's really easy when you're engaged with students and, like, you're a youth leader. It's really easy to do that. And, like, that's who you're leading, obviously, is students. But when you get into a ministry, some of you aren't going to be in ministry full time. Some of you don't want to be in youth ministry. You want to be in a, a, a senior pastor. Some of you want to do media stuff. Some of you want to do marketing. You have to find people in your life that you can be a leader to and that you are able to allow um, to help grow underneath you. You've got to find a way to bear fruit. And all of that starts knowing who you are in Christ and who you're called to starts with spiritual discipline. And number two, so they forgot their identity, and now the opposite of that is to know who you are in Christ, know what you're called to. And number two, they forgot God's promises to them and their ancestors, and so the opposite of that is to know God's promises and know who to compare yourself to. I think that there's this a, a broad thing that's been said that comparison kills, and I believe that is very true, unless you know who to compare yourself to. The same way that we should be our own judge, we should also be our own benchmark. You should be comparing yourself to you. When you know the promises that God has for your life, you know 
personally, some of you already know um, what it is that you want to do with your life. You know how God, like you and God have already decided. He's already called you to something. And what happens is when we start looking at the promises that God's fulfilling in other people's lives, sometimes it allows us to feel really small and leads us down a path of failure because we've forgotten what our own promise is. And so we have to stop looking at what God's promise is to someone else and look at the promise that God has for us. I look at myself. Um, it's really easy whenever you're, like, losing weight and stuff to forget or not, like, really see um, how much, how, like, well you've done. Uh, and then Betty posted this picture the other day, and I saw myself, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I used to look like that. And then there was, like, a side-by-side. And when you see those side-by-sides, there's a reason why, like, um, trainers want you to take like before and after pictures because sometimes we don't see our own transformation and I think that that can also happen in our spiritual life Um, and in our lives as leaders is we don't see everything we just see our current state and maybe you're not where you want to be but if you are growing then you're not where you were And we have to realize that God has brought us from A and maybe not all the way to B yet. But in this in-between space is where God is working to get us to B. In this in-between space is where God says, all right, I'm going to start taking the things out that need to be taken out. I'm going to start putting the things in that need to be put in. And if we allow ourselves to get so caught up in somebody else's promises, then we're going to miss what God is doing. And that's where stagnation comes in. And when we become stagnant, it's because we don't see what God is doing in our lives. And we don't want to accept it because we're too worried about what something, something else that's happening. But when we can allow and really open ourselves up, like that song was just saying, when we can become that open space, God can get us to point B a whole lot quicker. You think about um, if I was driving right now and I'm trying to get from here out into the gym or if I'm even just walking, if I'm trying to get out into the gym and I walk right into this wall and I keep walking into the wall and into the wall and into the wall and into the wall, that's a lot like what it's like whenever we don't see what God has for us. Whenever we are looking in a different direction and we're walking, maybe I'm walking that way and I'm looking this way and I'm just consistently don't have my eyes on God, I can't even see that he has a door right here for me on the other side. Sometimes we need to look to God and stop looking around to the others around us so that we can see those open doors to get to the promises he has for us. And I just want to list for you some of the promises. In Jeremiah 29, 11, obviously God promises us good and prosperous plans. If you don't know the the, the promises that God has for you, I'm going to tell you right now so that you can know God's promises. These are just some of them, okay? In Matthew 11, 28, and 29, God promises us rest. In Isaiah 40, 29 to 31, he promises us strength and power. In Philippians 4, 19, he promises us supply and provision. In Romans 8, 37 and 38, he promises us an inseparable love. And so if you don't know, you're just hearing, okay, God's promises It doesn't have to be the promise of like, I promise you this is what's going to happen in your life. Grab onto the promises that God is just there for you.
Grab onto the promise that, okay, your word says I can have rest, and so anxiety doesn't have to continuously take hold of me. Grab onto the promise that I have strength and power, and so when I feel weak, I know that I can trust in you. Grab onto the promise that supply and provision will come so that you aren't worrying about what tomorrow holds. And the, the, the first thing, they forgot identity, and so we know who we are, who we're called to. We forget God's promises and their ancestors, and so we want to know God's promises and who to compare ourselves to. And number three, they forgot all that God had done for them in the past and where the victory came from. And so the last thing is we have to know who the victory belongs to.